2: minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well qualified customers contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement Due $35 per line connection charge apply ctmobile.com carry on my wayward
3: son there'll be peace when you are done lay your weary head to rest don't you cry no
4: Well, good morning and happy Saturday, and what a gorgeous day it is shaping up to be. You're tuned to the Bob Rose Rewind. Let's get you fired up right now. Sheriff Billy Woods from Marion County. The anti-cop media makes it tough on recruiting and some other areas we're going to cover right now. On the Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3, The Sky. Don't
3: you cry.
4: Sheriff in the
5: house, Sheriff Billy Woods, Marion County Sheriff. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning, Bob. Hey, I feel great to be here, back in the house instead of on a phone, my friend. Yeah, in person,
4: <laughs> uh, uh, not wearing masks because the CDC said it was okay, and uh, and here we are. But you've got plenty of challenges, as as all law enforcement does these days. That whole, you know, anti-law enforcement, defund the police rhetoric that spread nationwide. That's having residual and and lasting effects, and I guess Marion County uh, is no different than other places. It might not be maybe how justice is meted out, how law enforcement works on a local level, because from a national media perspective, criminals are getting the message that, yeah, they're not doing much to stop us, and then if they do, it's low bail, no bail, or a revolving door with a DA that doesn't want to prosecute. How are you addressing that, Sheriff?
5: You know, those are you make some good points, Bob. You know, but here, you know, here in Florida, we're lucky. To be frank with you, we are a great state. One, we got great law enforcement support from our communities. Every county, I would say, every county gives that support out there. That you know, and we push back. We push on that sentiment. We say no, we're not going to tolerate it. We're not going to tolerate lawlessness. We're not going to tolerate uh, criminals just doing or feeling like it's okay to do what they do. No, we're going to push back on it. But part of our challenges right now is the growth in which we have you know this entire state is facing a, a massive uh influx of individuals that are leaving you know other states mm-hmm. because of uh, mandates because of whatever reason uh being forced and the growth i know probably here you're facing in latch is the same what we're facing in, in a marion county um it's it's basically out of control and it's right now it, You can't keep up with it. You know, staffing is part of the problem.
4: Well, yeah. I mean, everybody's trying to recruit and retain in law enforcement, and uh, that's not easy. And like you said, with the the population growing so quickly, you can't even create or get the funding for jobs uh, fast enough. I noticed uh, where 301 and 441 merge. That's always been a little bit of a slowdown, but I can tell you over the last year— Oh, it yeah. is dramatically longer, larger. You can just tell. I mean, there's you, just more people
5: around. You definitely can see it. You can see it not the traffic. You can see it, well. You can see it in my inmate population increase uh, because, unfortunately, everybody that comes are not all good people. Right. There's bad people to come with them. All right, let's be realistic here, folks. But the, the fact is, is these are serious challenges. You know, for for like me, for hiring. You mentioned hiring and retaining people. It's not necessarily that I'm losing them to other agencies and other sheriff's offices. I'm losing them to the private sector. The private sector is offering, you know, bonuses or higher hourly rate. Now this doesn't just include deputies, this includes all support staff, you know, IT people. It's ah, difficult yeah. to retain IT individuals when the pay is almost twice the amount of what I'm able to pay within the organization. So, you know, and I have people that leave. I have people that that are leaving my office, not because they're disgruntled, but because they want to better their family and better their you can't life. Can't blame them for no, that. No, you can't. I don't blame any single one of them for doing that and going out there. But the growth, you know, one of the old ways we used to do it is basing the amount of officers or deputies you have per 1,000, and that 1,000 would be based on your residential population. Truth is, is we can't use that anymore because think about this. Marion County's residence is around 380,000, okay? and here in probably in two to three years, we'll be well over the 400,000 mark, we'll be considered a major county. But however, the amount of people that are actually in Marion County on a daily basis is well above 500,000. That's the transit population that doesn't get calculated. And that's actually the true number of what... We service. I don't right. service just three hundred eighty thousand. And I promise you, if and I'm pretty sure your count here in Latrobe, they do the same thing. They look at that transit population. Whatever your residential population is, it's going to be more than that. Is what you're. Servicing. You got
4: in an interstate running right through Latrobe County and Marion yes. as well. So. Yes,
5: major thoroughfares. They bring in traffic is horrendous,
4: and people stop. They get gas, food, yeah. drink, or uh, you know some of the near wells look for other opportunities.
5: That is correct,
4: and some of those people, uh, unfortunately are juveniles. And that is a whole kind of special kind of challenge. And like, tell me about that juveniles committing crimes uh, is gone up. What I you mean, know,
5: it, it's a sad thing. You know, what we've noticed over the last couple of years is, is juveniles committing the crimes and accountability is not there. You know, the accountability that the juveniles get in, drilled in their head that they commit a crime and they're pretty much released right back out. There's no accountability. Now, it's no fault to the judges. No fault is just the way that the laws are set up. Um, and, and recent things that we've noticed is in our shootings. Now, I'm pretty sure like uh, Marion uh, Latchell, I've watched a couple of things. All counties are facing these challenges of an increase in shootings involving juveniles. Which is this is gang activity? Yes. That's okay. what it boils down to.
4: And, be, and I guess it's sort of a dirty word in a way. You don't want to say, well, yeah, there's
5: gangs in our area. <laughs> no. Everybody stay, tries to avoid that, but they're there. Now, they may not be to the organized level of... Crips and Bloods you, in L.A., East exactly. L.A., right. Okay. They try to be, but they still exist and they're there because the conflict is, is you dissed me or you said something against my girlfriend or... It's ridiculous what the argument's about, and then it turns into a shooting. Here, here's what's sad is is one of the latest one. Now, my st- my deputies did a fantastic job. We ended up arresting the individuals, but the shooting was during the broad daylight, and there was a video a, a video that was out there. They pulled up, and the victim was actually pushing his infant child, and they started shooting him. with the infant in the in the stroller with him, along with three two to three other children that were probably in the age range of four to six. It is a miracle that none of them children are hit. Wow, you know um, And it's sad. Now in that case, we didn't have any juveniles, but there are juveniles involved. And a pro- part of the problem is what's in the law is a 21 day rule. Uh, of being able to detain. And, you know, right now, I give kudos to legislation. They're working hard on uh, correcting this because even the judges are limited to this 21 days. And this new law that uh, they're trying to pass, the bills that are in. Senate Bill 7040
4: and House Bill 7029- those are supposed to address that? That is
5: correct. It'll address the 21 days. And for us in law enforcement, you know, we see this as a win if it gets passed and it gets put into a change, I should say, it amends it, it. And it will help us um, because accountability, listen, countability it has to be there because if they don't have accountability they're going to continue to do what they do well especially as
4: juveniles i mean you're now you have young upstart you know career criminals basically unless you can head it off at the pass and if you limit what a judge can do which currently i guess under law judges are very limited in what they can do with a juvenile so if judges can you know individually and look at the individual look is this a spoiled kid Acting out wants attention, right? Or is this a kid that comes from a, a really rough situation, has already seen a lot of criminal activity, and maybe needs to be taken out of that environment? You know, a judge can help to
5: make that determination. That is absolutely correct. Every one of them needs to be evaluated because I'm here to now. I'm not going to say every single juvenile that we come across and stuff like these shootings and commit the violent crimes, but the overwhelming majority of them, they've already committed so many crimes. That they have just been shoved to the side, put into programs, and to you know, after about the twentieth time, there's a clue. Okay, and, and, and if and if I'm correct, I, it, let's say they get in trouble
4: as an adult, I think in most cases you can't go back and expose and open their juvenile record. Very so, limited. That's correct. Yeah, so they could have had really kind of a lifetime of crime through their teenage years now they're considered an adult and they could have a lawyer that says well he's like a first-time offender it's like well, he's got a juvenile record this long
5: you know listeners don't get me wrong i ain't talking about that we are hard, you know being hard on every a single kid that kid. makes
4: a mistake is different there's,
5: there's a difference yes. but then when you have like what sheriff staley had over in flagler county where a 15 year old 15 year old committed the murder and they arrested him on it Ladies and gentlemen, that's a problem. And I guarantee you that if you look at that individual's history, he's got a criminal history. And we could have done something besides just shoving him off to the side. Or, yeah. or, 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 or giving no accountability. I'm going to hit that. Giving no accountability for their actions. People still scratch their heads and they say,
4: oh, this this guy committed X, Y crime. And we looked into his background and there's a list of it. And then people all ask the same question. I ask it. I go, "Why? how is this guy walking around free with a record like that?
5: It 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 boggles the mind. Boggles our mind why it happens. It's frustrating. You think put yourself in our shoes. How frustrating if I let's say you were one of the individuals, I arrest you one day with the hopes that okay, he committed this crime, he's gonna be behind bars for a long time. No, turn around, they're right back out. I'm continuously doing this and when is it going to take an effect that it needs to happen?
4: it's a small minority of people that commit the vast majority of crimes that's always been the case yes. it's just if you can have some of them in prison for a period of time
5: it cuts down on the crimes being committed uh, that's exactly right <laughs> they won't uh, commit the crimes out here if they're in there
4: <laughs> sheriff billy woods <laughs> hang in there my friend we appreciate the uh, the hard work you know we back the blue and uh just stay safe appreciate you guys thanks always a pleasure billy woods mary county sheriff check it in on the bob rose rewind stand by coming up Tim Martin, all about Springs County. Have you heard of it or not? Stay tuned to the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3, The Sky.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
4: Happy Saturday and a beautiful one. It is going to be your tune to the Bob Rose Rewind. Can you really break a county in half in the current era? They did it years ago. And they do it now. Alachua County split in half. Joining me now, Tim Marden. And he's promoting Springs County on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Tim, good morning and welcome to the Bob Rose Show. Good morning. Happy to be here. Uh, Mr. Conservative stirring things up. Trying to break the county apart, my goodness. What a rebel you are. Uh, If you haven't heard of Springs County, just Google that. It doesn't exist in reality yet, but it exists in a very real way. In many people's minds, something they'd like to see is uh, basically cutting Alachua County in half. um, So that, the half that would turn into Springs County, uh, how would you describe it? Their philosophy or mantra or mission would be what?
6: Uh, well, smaller government, less taxes, more freedom. That's kind of on the sign. Uh, it was a an, an organic thought that kind of bubbled up to the surface when we had our
4: conversations, and it's just something that's really stuck. So you've got you've got some good news. There's a lot of people that kind of uh, climbed on board this thing, and you have a lot of petitions that have been signed. Tell me about that.
6: Sure, sure. Well, uh, we are. Steady moving forward. I admit, and it's kind of my fault. We have not had as much public-facing information and uh, organization, uh, but we've done been doing a lot behind the scenes, and we have been able to gather over ten thousand signatures now on our petition,
4: both digitally and hard copy. And uh, we're looking to celebrate that on March twelfth. So Saturday, March twelfth at four o'clock at the Springs County Welcome Center, which is Main Street. In High Springs, between the two traffic lights, that's where we're going to have a big uh, get-together, a celebration, and kind of get people fired up. But the important, I guess, news is that because there have been questions, the idea of creating a new county in the modern era, um, a lot of people see that as just a you know a bridge too far or a mountain too high to climb because it's so complicated. And one of the things that was uh, concerning was financial reports. How would you split it up? What about law enforcement, fire rescue, and all the other things that go into government? And then the tax base and all of that. And uh, Tim, you've made some. Uh, you guys have made progress on that as well, right?
6: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We have been able to raise the money in order to get a financial analysis done by a quality, reputable firm, uh, and we are actually hoping to have that report back by the middle of April. Uh, the early indications are that the at a low end, at a low, low, low end. We're looking at a $200 million budget for Springs County. By way of comparison, most people know Gilchrist County. They have about a $52 million budget, so you're talking about a quarter. Uh, some of my naysayers will probably say that Gilchrist is a subsidized subsized county, and that's true. Uh, by way of state definition, there's about 27 counties of the 67 that are considered subsidized Uh, but springs county would come in probably about 32 33 on the low end and the good news is also alachua county would be uh, a little bit higher than that they would probably have about 289 in their uh, coffer so neither county would be subsidized in the end
4: in other words yeah they would be in the black uh from the get-go correct
6: yes absolutely
4: all right so what would the what would the population be ballpark of a springs county the way you kind of have it drawn up now well if the state
6: legislature goes with our proposed border of 34 street uh we are looking at probably about 100 to one hundred and ten thousand. of course people are moving all over the place these days and our goal is 2025 so maybe a little bit different by then and uh you know, it may get moved. The, the line may get moved a little bit. I'm open to that. Uh, but right now, uh, we had to base our numbers on something. So we picked 34th Street. It's kind of an arbitrary number. It goes right through the middle of the county. It is a state road. Uh, so it fits a few definitions of just something that is kind of independent of everybody. And then what did you
4: say the population of Gilchrist County was? I, I'm not sure the
6: Gilchrist. Uh, I think, I'll
4: think about 20,000.
6: Uh, they could be, I I, believe but so. uh, I, what I mentioned was their budget was about $52 million.
4: Right, and your and your budget looks like on the low end it will be 2000000 million. 200 million. I, I'm sorry, $200 million. So, you okay, I'm just trying to kind of do the the simple math on that. Yeah. It is hard to compare counties. Obviously, Gilchrist County is considered very, very rural. And then if you go from 34th Street, you really do have a mix of uh uh, business and residential and a lot of other things mixed in there as well.
6: We do. We do. There's a whole mix. And, and you got to also, I guess, in my mind, I've kind of been doing this for about five years now, I'm still looking 15, 20 years out. Uh, if I have an opportunity as a business owner or a family to move to some place that gives me smaller government, less taxes, more freedom, I'm going to project that there's probably going to be a significant amount of movement out of Alachua County over to Springs County. So the numbers that we're talking about today, I think there's a very good potential that they'll be significantly different in the 5, 10, 15, 20 year range.
4: Yeah, if you look at, you know, what it costs to live in Alachua County, um, I mean, the tax, just the property taxes alone are some of the highest in the state. And that can make it kind of unaffordable for a lot of families and then there of course is uh, a lot of red tape in building a new home in alachua county more so than in other counties so people are already looking at other areas but then they have to commute if their job is centered in gainesville and that clogs up roads that are already um well very very
6: clogged <laughs> yes yes i mean i think in uh, a lot of the supporters think that springs county just addresses so many of those issues all at once you know we as uh, conservatives as republicans kind of get tired of the, the the little mini battles i think if we can get all in on the springs county idea it does have an all above approach to lots and lots and lots of these things. You know, I've been told that the DOT at the Florida state level uh, just doesn't really care for Alachua County very much. Uh, So when they have extra dollars left over from budgeted projects that are divvied up among the state, they don't even consider Alachua County. I have been told that Springs County not only would have a good chance of having access to those where we could fix the roads, uh, but also the numbers bear out that we probably would have a whole nother high school, which may be a whole nother topic, Uh, but I just see a lot of pluses to this if we can put the work in now to make it happen and uh, get it effective 2025.
4: Now, State Representative Chuck Clem has been working hard toward uh, in Tallahassee getting single member districts on the ballot for Alachua County. That means you live in a district, you vote for that uh, person, and they would represent your district. He's getting a lot of blowback from that. Obviously, people in power generally don't want to give any of it up. Is this um, kind of a step toward a Springs County, or is this a step that says maybe the Spring County folks would be, oh, a little less worked up if they feel like they're getting better representation, you know, in the county commission?
6: I think it's definitely, it could be a very significant temperature check uh, at large with with the county. Uh, If single-member districts does actually have the impact, uh, I believe... It could probably make a significant, uh, you know, dent in Springs County, so to speak. Uh, but, you know, if, if Springs County helps make that happen and it does make that happen, uh, then I would be happy to give way because a lot of it is about represent- representation. And look, the way we have it right now, every voter is one of 183,000 registered voters in co- in the county at large. Under a single member district, you're talking about one per 36,600 people. So you want to talk it's this has really become single member district truly really becomes a matter of quantity or I'm sorry quality over quantity uh with regards to representation.
4: But again, when you have to pass something in the commission, you're going to have to get a plurality of the of the votes. So if you're always in the minority, how much difference in the end will it really make?
6: Well, I think that would have to have to bear out. I think it is a still a little bit of a hill to climb. I don't know I sit here today, I don't know that single-member districts solves all the problems. Right. Uh, and again, I think potentially single, uh, Springs County actually does. Well,
4: we'll see. Well, well see. and Springs County would not share, if, correct me if I'm wrong, they wouldn't share any boundaries with the city of Gainesville? Or is there some overlap?
6: There is some a little bit of overlap, but uh, you know, actually nationwide we have cities that are in different states. <laughs> so right, no, I, I just work. wondered yeah.
4: because I
6: along Thirty Fourth Street is uh, blue by about twenty percent on the precinct margins. You go further west, it's actually red by about plus six, and there's a little bit of a mix, kind of in the town of Tioga parker road kind of area
4: and for people that want to find out more about springs county they can do a search on it or go to springscounty.com that's not too hard springscounty.com <laughs>
1: wow, you don't even have to write that down I, you'd I think i'd out. know it but, wow. now. That's that's awesome.
4: but i still write i still write the phone number down on my cheat sheet true <laughs> so
1: and nobody makes phone calls
4: great stuff tim marden thank you for your hard work my pleasure tim Martin representing the push for springs county on the bob rose rewind happy saturday Uh, Stand by. Coming up, Keith Perry, parents over teachers and the bill in Tallahassee and all the blowback that goes with it. That's coming up next on 97.3 The Sky.
2: If your day sounds like.
7: We need the report ASAP.
2: You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through. You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame,
3: Tourist, tour.
2: you deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly.
7: Beer imported by Crown Port Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
4: Happy, happy Saturday. You're tuned to the Bob Rose Rewind at the halfway mark. Don't go anywhere state senator keith perry talking about parents over teachers and the corresponding bill that's going through tallahassee right now and some local blowback let's get to it on the bob rose rewind ninety seven point three the sky good morning keith how you doing
8: uh, good morning i'm doing well it's been some uh... long days but we've got the rest of this week and next week and will hopefully be done in tallahassee for the session so
4: I mean, this bill that, you know, the other side likes to call it, what, the don't say uh, gay bill or something. They're they're mm-hmm. trying to make it, you know, uh, parents that care about mm-hmm. their kids want to have these individual discussions, making them seem like, you know, they're homophobe or transphobe or whatever. And w- we know that's not the deal. That's not true. Um, but, what I mean, what are the basic concerns that people who are in opposition to this, I mean, what are they saying? Do they have any points that are that appear to be valid in your mind?
8: Yeah, no, I don't think so at all. And I think the biggest issue is people who are, who are making the loudest noises have zero idea what the bill does. And the, the don't-say-gay title that they've adopted is absolutely nothing in the bill. And uh, this is what I want you to think about, and the listeners to think about what we've done. And what, the fact that we even had to do this should be upsetting to most people. There's instructional material in some school districts for elementary kids on heterosexuality, homosexuality, gender identity, and transgender
4: yeah, for elementary kids. Ele- elementary
8: school elementary school yeah man. and so what we've done in this bill and, and i didn't think we went far enough but what we've done this is what this bill does in kindergarten through third grade kindergarten through third grade you're not going to have instructional material dealing with these subject matters. You're, you're, you're not going to have any printed material. Now, it doesn't prohibit a kid in third grade from asking a teacher, maybe maybe some kid, you know, hey, Johnny over here, my friend has two fathers or two mothers. It doesn't prohibit them from talking about that. What it prohibits is having instruction material for these kids. No, I don't think there's nobody in their right mind who would send their kid to elementary school, to a public school, and expect to have this kind of stuff being taught to them. And so what we're doing and like I say, the fact that we even have to ban this stuff is ridiculous, but we're doing it. And, and what we did is we said no. The other part of the bill says on there's Sunshine Standards on Sex Education, and if you tie in anything with transgender or gender identity, it has to be age appropriate along with Sunshine Standards. The third part of the bill says that if a school district is going to engage in any kind of counseling uh, of a child, then the information needs to be shared with a parent um, on these issues. And, and there are exceptions. There's guardrails. People are talking about what about kids in abusive homes or whatever. If a, if a teacher or a counselor feels like a kid is being – it's an unsafe environment, uh, they don't have to share this information with the parent. What they have to do is they have to share it with the Department of Children and Families. And so we think that if there's a kid in an, un, in an unsafe, a dangerous situation, if a teacher thinks that or a counselor, okay, but you've got to share that. We can't just let them, them hide that fact either. So parental involvement is the key parents have the, op- the the right to raise their children. They also have the right to send their children to school and have certain expectations. And again, the fact we have to do this. There's one other issue that I want to talk about. Um, unless you had any questions on that?
4: Yeah, I, I just the one question is the idea that a counselor would share with the parents uh, sexual questions or sexual identity issues that the child is having, doesn't feel comfortable having that conversation with their parent for many reasons. Uh, but they can go to a counselor. Now they might not go to a counselor to discuss these issues because they know they're going to contact the parents, and my fear is here's a child that may be in severe mental distress because of these uh, gender issues that they can't quite handle or whatever, and the suicide rates among kids that, that, that wrestle with this kind of thing is pretty high. That really would be my only uh, you know, caveat that I would have to the whole thing.
8: Yeah, but think about this. Uh, We're up here every single year, session, we talk about scope of practice. So we have nurse anesthetists who want to do what what uh, anesthesiologists do. We have dental therapists who want to. We always have this discussion on what kind of training is sufficient to do certain types of services for the public. And we have doctors licensed psychiatrists, psychologists talk to us all the time. You can't let counselors do this. You can't let other people do this. So we have laws on the books, right? You can't practice psychology or psychiatry right now and what we want to do is if you have a we want a parent to make that decision and and if a kid is going through a really stressful time do we want do we want the parents not to even know about that do we we say no parents you don't have a right to know that your kid is really struggling with suicidal thoughts i i don't think so yeah, i mean i understand that's a good the, point. i understand the balance but you don't want someone a, a school counselor or a teacher with who knows what, what training, professional training, saying, oh, they're going to be the only person that knows or deals with this. I understand there's a balance there, but parents have a fundamental right to be involved in their kids' lives, and we don't want government organizations, public schools, uh, assuming that role. And so there's a balance, and we put some guardrails in this bill. The main part of the bill really deals with the K-3 through instruction material. But this is another point I want to bring up, and this is where um, Buell's High School today has a staged walkout on the don't say gay bill. Now, two things about it. One, if you read the email that's sent out by the school board, um, by the school administration, where it says we're not organizing this, but they're giving clear instructions on how it's supposed to happen, where they're supposed to go, how it's supposed to take place. It also in there, you talk about bullying, and the other side always accuses, and you're making stuff that people need to be bullied. One of the parts in this letter to all the students says, the teachers will not go with the students unless... The entire class goes then the teacher will go with them as well now this says again they're not promoting this or doing this it's clearly the school administration is promoting this and organizing this and what they're doing is they're also going to bully kids into saying hey you know what if you sit, if, if two of you sit in the classroom the teacher can't go with us and there's gonna be a lot of pressure
3: mm. the kids
8: it, the kid, it's, it's a bottle it's terrible they can't, I can't believe that the school administration at Buell's High School is allowing this or not allowing it they're the ones pushing this uh, to happen, and parents, if you go, if your kids go to Buells, or you know other people, or check other schools, it may be happening in all the other schools. I only got one parent very upset who sent me this letter, uh, that is this email that his son had gotten. Now, if the school really wanted to use this as a learning experience, if they wanted kids to understand, they would pull the bill out. It's seven pages long. That's it, and they could have a great lesson with students on, here's the bill, here's the pros, here's the cons, here's what it actually does, here's what it doesn't do. They can have discussion, uh, just like you were having I, with on the counseling mm-hmm. and, and some of the peer pressure. But no, they're not doing that. I guarantee you, you walk out there today at noon, you ask a teacher what the bill does, I, I, my bet is not one of the teachers and none of the students have read the language of the bill. All they've done is read a headline from somebody, and they're going to make their assumptions. I, I think that Besides wasting a great learning experience for high school kids, is they're uh, promulgating this, uh, you know, these untruths and and organizing this thing to say that oh, people, the legislators, are homophobic and you know we're ruining rights. It's,
4: well, the, and, if and, I
8: was a parent, man, I'd be pissed off at this stuff.
4: And, and if you had an agenda, uh, and you wanted to use the school, you know, walking out like, look, we had 95% participation of the schools of Buell's. Clearly they feel strongly this bill should not pass or whatever. But you and I both, you know, we were, we were, when we were in high school, they could say, Hey, we're going to, you know, walk out and say, we hate chocolate cake. But as soon as you and I heard we're to skip school, we're out of there. So it's not like we're all passionate about the cause or the agenda. Most high school kids are like, are you kidding? A day off? Heck yeah. I'm out of here
8: yeah and the fact that they are bullying it's really a bullying uh subliminal kind of bullying of sure. saying hey the teachers can't go unless the whole class goes right. uh you know and it, and it's it's organized by the school, it's not organized by the kids, I think it's unfortunate, and uh again, what a wasted opportunity to to teach kids about you know politics and legislation. But anyway, if I was a parent, I'd be checking into this because this, when I got this letter, this parent was extremely upset, and then I read the letter and, and, and it certainly could understand why. It's wrong that they would do this. But again, did they even did anybody in the school read the bill, or did they just take the headline uh, on the uh, "Don't Say Gay" bill, which absolutely has nothing to do with the bill itself? That's some made-up headline by some you know some group. So, but. Um, that's just one of the battles we're fighting up here. We got a whole bunch more. We were on the floor last night till about nine o'clock. We were doing the immigration uh, bills. We did pro-life bills. We got a lot of hot topics up here, um, but it's but it's uh, going well. We're making progress.
4: Well, glad to hear it, and thanks for bringing this to our attention and a local high school involved in this. And I. You know, all the valid points I see how, yeah, it could pit students against each other. Oh, why didn't you why didn't you uh, go out of class and go on that, that thing? What do you hate, gay people? Don't you know our friend Joey or Sandy is gay? You know, yeah, a lot of pressure there, a learning opportunity completely blown. And it, so, it sounds like the school board or the school administration, that particular school, they, it feels like they made their mind up about where they're at with this agenda. Uh, State Senator Keith Perry, thank you. We appreciate your time this morning. Keep up the good work. You got it. Thanks. All right. That was State Senator Keith Perry on the Bob Rose Rewind. Happy Saturday. Don't go away. Coming up next, Congressman Greg Stubbe joins us. Veterans, concerns about them, and Ukraine. We'll talk to him next on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3, The Sky. Good morning and happy Saturday. You're tuned to the Bob Rose Rewind as we uh, cap the whole thing off with Congressman Greg Steube. He's out of uh, District 17. As parts of uh, uh, Charlotte, Glades, Highlands County, Lee County, Sarasota. Covers a wide area and a lot of veterans in that area. I want to ask him about that and the work he's doing directly with veterans, but also war in Ukraine. Let's talk to him right now on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Good morning, Congressman. How you doing?
9: Hey, good morning. How are you? Uh,
4: fantastic. It is uh, it's good to connect with you again. Let's, uh, let's jump on board. You have a great thing going on, at least it appears to be pretty cool, a uh, Veterans History Project where you're interviewing uh, retired folks that live in your district and kind of featuring them. Um, tell me a little bit about that.
9: Yeah, so years ago, the uh, Library of Congress initiated the Veterans History Project to encapsulate the stories of our veterans via video. So they do interviews of veterans, and, you know, it was years ago at a time as we started to lose our World War II and Korea vets. What a better opportunity to talk to them and interview them and let them tell their story, what their service was like, what experiences they had, what battles they fought in, uh, to encapsulate the history of our country through these stories from these veterans. Uh, I participated in the Veterans History Project when I first got elected to Congress to show people in my district, like, we we all should be doing this for future generations to hear what our veterans experienced. Um, so we've done a big push. We now have in my office a wounded warrior fellow. His name's Matthew. He's a navy a navy vet who is doing the interviews. So he sets them up. So you have a veteran interviewing a veteran. Uh, he's a wounded warrior fellow, and then we then send working through the Library of Congress and send these videos to the Library of Congress to be encapsulated.
4: Absolutely love it. I know you have a lot of veterans in your uh, in your district. So uh, good work on that and those stories. Like you say, the people are, you know, we're losing them on a regular basis, but as long as we can keep their stories alive, it's an important part of history. And and along the same vein, we don't want war. We don't want folks to go to war and not come back in our country, but we've got serious situations. Russia's acting up. Uh, China's getting ready to jump on Taiwan, it's believed by many. Uh, I guess one of my questions is, do we need to up our defense spending to prepare for these possibilities?
9: Well, we should have been upping our defense spending, Years ago, and and our Department of Defense has been eviscerated during the Obama administration. In the four years Trump took office, he obviously tried to increase funding, increase F-35s and all these different types of things. Um, But you have a current DOD that is more focused on transgender rights and identity politics within our military and kicking kicking our service members out who are refusing to get vaccinated than preparing the security and safety of Americans to ensure that we can defend ourselves against Russian aggression, Chinese aggression. Um, and, and so you're right. Uh, not a lot of Americans think that we should send troops, boots on the ground to Ukraine. Uh, we did a survey yesterday, and the results are starting to come in. There's a lot more support for doing some type of limited airstrikes to help Ukrainians. But the, the question then becomes, if we do nothing and stand by, which we can talk about sanctions, too, which we, the, the Biden administration has been failing on, but if we sit by and let this happen, The Russians have already invaded Sweden's airspace. They're not a NATO ally. Um, So when is it going to stop? Biden said he would do everything within the power of the United States to protect and defend NATO allies, but there's a whole host of non-NATO allies along the Russian border, one of them being the Ukraine. So I guess they're willing to let Russia invade Ukraine, Russia invade Sweden, some of these other Belarus, some of these other countries that they're going to take over. And then if they get to Poland, which is a NATO ally, and some of these other countries on the eastern front, then what? You know, what if what – if our, so our government's willing for them to take all this land, take all the, these democratic countries, and then now they're on the border of Poland and some of these other Eastern European countries that, quite frankly, may not have the sophistication and military capability to defend against Russia. At what point do we militarily engage? You've seen reports of children being – schools being – and you don't know if they're just hitting them or they're intentionally hitting them, but civilians are losing life, children are losing life in the attack on the Ukraine. And at some point, I think Americans are going to sit back and say, if we don't start engaging now, at some point we're probably going to have to.
4: I mean, at the very least, most of the world agrees that what Putin's doing is absolutely apprehensible, unacceptable. But yet, here we are sending Putin himself, well, the Russian government, him, $70 million a day for oil. It's not a failed energy policy by Biden. It's exactly the way he wants it. So what makes anyone think they can change his mind about that and move in a direction that we know is a matter of national security, not to mention uh, we're funding a war basically via oil, and it's not even part of the sanctions. What, what, what can we possibly do to address it when we know it's not by flawed policy, it's by design?
9: Well, I would tell your, your listeners to keep putting pressure on people, send them letters making your voices be heard on your position on that, because it is having an effect. You saw Speaker Pelosi yesterday say that she would support sanctioning Russian oil. Why we haven't done that a month ago is beyond me. The moment that you, the Russian army was was getting on the border to Ukraine, we should have started sanctioning the country, sanctioning the Russian coal and oil and all these other things. The only domestic product that Russia produces is oil and gas. So if you're not sanctioning that, you're doing nothing to inhibit their overall economic prosperity, and you hit on it, $70 million a day, that we're sending to Russia to fund their invasion into Ukraine through oil. When Trump was president, we had energy independence. We weren't importing oil. We had domestic production of oil on day one. Biden shut down the Keystone pipeline. He shut down um, drilling on federal land. He put all these regulatory hoops in place to try to prevent domestic production of oil in this country. And quite frankly, based on the comments that Saki made yesterday, that's what they want. They, they don't care that, that gas is $5 a gallon right now because they want everybody to drive electric cars. They, they, they are owned by the progressive left woke agenda. And finally, the middle of the road, the moderates and independents are saying, we can't financially continue to take these inflated prices in oil and gas. And now, because of the security posture, we're sending money to Russia to fund an invasion onto a democratic country. At some point, hopefully enough Americans will put pressure on the Democrats that they'll reverse course on energy
4: policy. Yeah, and and I think you know some Americans may not know the extent of you know when energy costs rise how it impacts all of us. Look at a lot of your constituents. Quite frankly, there a lot of them are retired and and they're on a fixed income. But they can limit maybe their trips. They can limit uh, gas. But you know what? When they go to the grocery store, that's hit the ag community. And I know you know all about that. You're on ag committees and stuff. You fully understand the value of that. It's a in your district. So. People see higher prices um, because agriculture has to go up. They use energy.
9: Well, and the whole supply chain. I mean, we can't. We transport our goods mostly in the United States, either by, by rail, but mostly by semi-truck. And those semi-trucks aren't electric. They run off fuel. And so when the gas prices go up to the to the huge level that they're going up right now, your eggs are more expensive at the supermarket, your milk's more expensive, everything's more expensive because just transporting the goods from uh, the manufacturer or the farmer to the point of sale is costing more money because the, the, the price of fuel is so much higher. And that, that has a huge percentage economic impact on the overall inflation numbers because fuel is so much a basis of our economy, whether it be natural gas that, that is fueling our homes or whether it be filling up our tanks to go to work every day. It has a huge overall inflationary uh, impact on the overall economy because it impacts so many different sectors of the economy.
4: You think we'll ever get to the bottom of the extent of some of the deals that Hunter Biden uh, cut with some of these people? I mean, we know about his sitting on the Ukrainian board, making 50, 80 grand a month, and what a joke that was. But you know, President Biden, when questioned about it, said, "Oh, I have no idea what you know what business my son is or what he did." Um, and the and the news media doesn't want to talk about when Hunter went to China and took 1.2 billion to buy up American companies full of technology. What? What, if anything, can we do to get the media to quit being a propaganda arm for the Democratic Party?
9: The only way that we will be able to change that is Republicans take the majority in the House in November. And when we take the gavels in January, we start doing investigations on all this and, and, and get the facts out to the American people. The crimes that have been committed, the amount of money that has gone to the big guy and his family over the years. One of the other deals with it, a Chinese energy company was $3.8 billion to a company that Hunter was involved with. And as you're seeing the emails come out, of course the mainstream media wants to suppress all this information, and the social media companies are doing the same thing. So kind of a two-pronged approach. We, we initiate these investigations, put the facts before the American people, and then pass bills like, like I have on Section 230 reform that will not allow our social media platforms and social media companies to editorialize the content that's being put out there. For example, the New York Post story on Hunter Biden right before the election that Twitter completely shut down they wouldn't be able to do that anymore if the bill that i've been working on and trying to get passed uh, which obviously would never pass in a democratic majority when we take the majority back we're absolutely going to go after them on that
4: that was congressman greg steuby on the bob rose rewind thanks to all my guests including state senator keith perry tim Marden pushing for springs county and sheriff billy woods from marion county started things off and thank you for tuning in to the bob rose rewind and supporting what we do certainly appreciate it. And don't forget to join us Monday morning starting at 6 a.m. for the Bob Rose Show along with Greg Cassidy on 97.3 The Sky.